Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, hello, and welcome to the Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. I'm your host, Amanda G. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a really exciting episode for y'all. We have Lauren Deborah. This is our second international episode. That's right. We have gone international and we are not going back. Well, we actually are because there's a lot of cool people in the U.S. that we still need to talk to. But Lauren Deborah was, she's just one of those people that you know she just wakes up happy. And she wakes up thinking about rainbows and sunshine. And she keeps that going throughout the day. She's originally from Australia, which you'll be able to tell by her awesome fucking accent. I could listen to her talk all day. Currently living in Canada, living her best life, living the dream. She's just awesome to talk to. And she will brighten your day. She's definitely brightened mine. So I think we're going to get to it. I don't think we had any announcements other than the usual. Follow us on social media, near and queer to my heart, on Facebook, and Instagram, Queer to My Heart on Twitter. Send us some love. If you like what you hear, you want to help support us, subscribe. It's an easy thing to do. Click subscribe. It helps us. It helps you. It helps us stay connected. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to Lauren Deborah. Lauren Deborah, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great, Amanda. How are you? I am okay. <laughs> I think overall, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm in New Orleans, as you know, and mm-hmm. comedies, stand-ups finally coming back. Shows are coming back. We're going outside again, and and it's weird relearning how to interact with people. Yes, I feel you. <laughs> where are you? Where are you coming to us from? I I'm Australian is the accent, but I actually live in Montreal. So, you know, we're not quite there yet where we have comedy happening, but we're so close and I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird though. I'll, I'll warn you. Like you're going to see all these people and they're going to say hi to you and you're going to be like, I know I know you, but it's been a fucking year. So yeah. cut me a little slack. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I actually moved to Montreal on March 14th, 2020. So, <laughs> when did y'all shut down? Uh, Ma- March fourteenth, twenty twenty. So you got in, and they were like, "We got to keep her, yeah. so we're just gonna shut this uh, whole." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shut it, it down. Like, I came here for a job, and the movers had just taken all of my like stuff in the truck. I was living in Vancouver, another city in Canada, and the HR department of my soon-to-be job called. Hey, just letting you know, we're going to be working from home for two weeks, which is hilarious now that they said that, but (laughs) just so we get like, it was a courtesy call in case I wanted to delay my move, but I was literally standing in an empty apartment. So I was like, I guess I'm going (laughs) and here I am. Good thing you did. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Here I am. Yeah. It was not two weeks for, uh, Everyone playing at home, they know that. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So what's uh what's Montreal? What's what's it like now? So I'm like I said, I'm in New Orleans, which is Louisiana, mm-hmm. which is the South. And in the South, like people are slowly not wearing masks, and mm-hmm. um, I have no idea who's vaccinated, who's not. Places are basically at full capacity right now. What does it look like? where you are? Well, we just reopened restaurants two weeks ago. Like restaurants have been closed since October. I went and ate on a patio yesterday. I ate a meal that someone else made for me. You know, all I've eaten for 15 months is food I've made or food that's been left at my front door in a plastic bag. (laughs) Yeah. So nice to have food like brought to my table. Um, So that's kind of where we're at. Indoor dining is happening, but distance. Everyone's still masked. Our vaccines are rolling out a bit slower than the States, but they're rolling out like everyone I know has had their first so that's great I think we're probably like a month or two behind you in where we're where we are but we're getting there I can't wait (laughs) that's exciting I uh I got the Johnson and Johnson so I don't even know if I'm actually vaccinated or not (laughs) I don't even think that I don't even think they have the Johnson and Johnson in Canada no they don't offer it now so I'm just like oh cool (laughs) cool 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 (laughs) let's backtrack a little bit Australia. Yeah. Where were you, where in Australia were you born? When did you leave? Why did you leave? I like to ask a bunch of questions at once because yeah. I feel like they're all kind of related anyway. So let's just ask the questions and then of we'll let course. you we'll let you go from there. <laughs> you bet. Um, so Australia, I was born in Sydney, but then, you know, from a very young age, lived in this small town called Port Macquarie, which is about four hours north of Sydney on the coast. Beach town, got tons of beaches and that and I could just say beaches over and over that's about all all is there there's more there's also tons of cafes <laughs> but other than that that's kind of where I grew up so I lived there for most of my life then spent some time in Queensland which is like further north in Australia on the on the east coast and when I was 23 I decided to come on a working holiday visa to Canada plan was for a year and it's almost seven years have passed. So (laughs) here I am. Yeah. So I've been in Canada ever since. What about Canada? What made you fall in love with Canada? I mean, I, I was working in the hospitality industry for many years back home. I'm working in hotels. And when I came to Canada, I started in a city called Halifax and got a job with the same hotel chain, you know, working in the food and beverage department. And they had a comedy club in the hotel and the manager was leaving and they asked me if I would like to manage the comedy club. And I was like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) That sounds amazing. Like I've managed restaurants, but I've never managed a comedy club, but that like, I'm a fan of comedy. That sounds incredible. So I did, I managed that one for about a year. And then I moved to Vancouver and managed a comedy club there for a just over three years. And in the time working at that club, um, my work visa was coming to an end um, because I had a two-year work visa that I didn't even think I would use the whole thing. (laughs) But there I was. Um, So I was like, I love it here. This is like a whole new life that I didn't envision. Like I'm working in the comedy industry now. I love it. This is like, I don't want to manage a restaurant ever again. So I got my permanent residency through my job and eventually, you know, ventured into stand up and podcasting and stuff myself. But yeah, I just haven't left. I mean, I've left, but I haven't left. <laughs> I, li- I live in Canada. <laughs> well, when did you start doing stand-up? Oh, gosh. I don't remember the year. 
What is time? But it was while I was um, working at that at that second comedy club in Vancouver. Classic story. Went through a breakup and <laughs> what? Like, Look, no I pop know. makes it hard to go through a breakup. <laughs> they never talk about it on stage Absolutely. either. No, it's, it makes for terrible material. I don't recommend. Um, <laughs> not relatable. Hard. Not relate at no, all. No, <laughs> exactly. And and it was something that I like toyed with. And people, you know, having worked in the clubs for ages, people would ask me often, like, Are you? ever going to try it? I'm like, no, never. And then I did. And I loved it. I mean, I haven't done it for a long time. I had kind of taken a little bit of a break and gotten back into it the beginning of 2020, which is unfortunate timing, but I feel like I've heard that from a few people. Uh, yeah, so I feel like very out of practice and I don't even know if I can say I do stand up anymore, but it would be great to do it again one day <laughs> as soon as I can. <laughs> what was it like uh, managing comedy clubs? Like, were you dealing with big names, medium names, like local people that de- demanded, you know, this, that and the other? Comics, look, like I, I love us a lot. Not everybody yeah. does, though. We're not everybody's cup of tea. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Yeah, I we had like all different levels. So I ran an open mic there, like a late night open mic that would go for like three hours. So that was amazing. I loved I loved that so much. But we'd get, you know, a lot of Canadian headliners and people in from the States headlining on the weekends as well. So it was a real mix of experience level, I guess, and, and popularity. And it was it was really fun. Like it was a I really enjoyed the environment for sure of being in a comedy club and like the vibe. But I mean, anyone who's been around comedy knows there's also a lot of shit as well. Like I I don't, I don't think I could count how many times I was like yelled at by drunk people who were being kicked out, you know, because it was all my fault for ruining their birthday. Those kinds of Of course they didn't ruin everyone else's night. Exactly. Everyone else that paid the exact same price for the ticket deserved to listen to the show and not them. But I mean, it's not like that happened every night. It's certainly the good outweighed the bad by far. But yeah, there's there's definitely those kinds of things you have to deal with when you're working in a comedy club for sure. Well, I guess, I don't know with COVID, but um, are you still working in comedy clubs? Uh, no, I work in events now, So, but I've been working from home the whole time. So... <laughs> Nothing, nothing, um, nothing like a comedy club, unfortunately. But yeah, I've just been sitting where I'm sitting right now for 15 months working and having Zoom calls. And yeah, I'm lucky to still be in a job for sure. But it hasn't hasn't been a very exciting 15 months in events. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a friend who right before COVID started her own business um, doing events. And it was like, oh my then, God. then all the events were canceled. You know, you kind of shift to the to the online. That's what comics do. We shift to online we did zoom yep. but it's not the same we try to make it the same no. it- yeah I've seen some people do some amazing jobs of virtual shows it's definitely not the same but some people have done a really good job at it but I'm like yeah we can't wait to get back <laughs> <laughs> yeah I saw uh, Maria Bamford she did a bunch of online shows and what yeah. the cool thing about zoom and I won't I won't I'm not I feel like everything I'm like that sucks and that sucks but um no, there's there are good sides of it. And the cool thing about the Zooms is like you could connect with her. Like she was taking audience questions. She would look at the comments. Right. She had, you know, there was this different level of engagement, but there's just yeah. a certain vibe. And I'm sure you saw it being, you know, working at a comedy club and performing that, that there's a certain vibe of like energy that's in a room that you mm-hmm. can't replicate online, no matter how connected we all feel through computers. So true. I know. And it, it's a weird feeling so living in Montreal, but having moved from Vancouver, a lot of the comedians that I'd, 
uh, friends with or, you know, worked with or whatever when I was working at the club there were the ones that uh, the shows I'm attending, like these virtual shows, but I'm three hours ahead of them here now. And it is such a weird feeling to be sitting on your couch and it's like 11 p.m. And I'm like, don't fall asleep. You're at a comedy show. Don't fall asleep. And I'm like, well, like, I'm in my pajamas and I'm on my couch and it's 11 p.m. And I'm sitting here on my own looking at a screen. Like, it's so, I'm like, if that was a comedy club, absolutely not. I'd be like laughing and ha- like, it, it's, yeah, it's so different. <laughs> and you'd be, you know, maybe chit-chatting with people or just like seeing, yeah. you can even just look around and see other people's reactions yes. and just get those vibes. And hear that one weird laugh. There's always someone with like a laugh that stands out in a comedy club and then that makes you laugh even more. And I love that. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like old sitcoms and every once in a while when you're watching like an old episode of a sitcom you can hear someone laughing really extra and I, re- yeah. I remember I I went um I don't know if you remember this show. there's a show called Dharma and Greg which for some reason yes. I was I was obsessed with this show like I don't I can't even explain why I think I just related to to Greg a lot like I was like I'm uh-huh. kind of like the boring lawyer kind of person and I want someone that's fun <laughs> and exciting that makes me fun and exciting but I went I had a this always sounds weird, but I'm from Los Angeles, so you, you do mm-hmm. actually know people who know people. And anyway, I got mm-hmm. tickets to be in the audience, and <gasps> I remember that it was amazing, by the way. Like, just I being, bet. you know, once again, like, the energy of, like, being there. Even the jokes that aren't funny, you actually are laughing because you can feel the beats, and they're right in front of you doing the thing. Oh, my gosh. They gave us specific instructions that if you have an extra laugh, to not do it. Because they're like, mm-hmm. they're, we're picking up, we're recording your laughs, but you don't, mm-hmm. you don't need to like drop like, ha ha ha, I'm Amanda, or do anything <laughs> like that. So we have like very specific audience instructions and they don't, I know they don't do sitcoms anymore the way they used to, but I wish they did. Right. Yeah. That would be so fun. I am like never like a good popular sitcom would end and they'd all come and do like a bow in front of the audience and stuff. And <laughs> no laugh track, just like a real live audience. Yeah. I've been a sucker for sitcoms during the pandemic because I live alone. And like I said, new city, I'm like, this is, this is where I'm at. Like mentally, I want, I want sitcoms and nothing else. Like that's, that's what I want. Oh yeah. <laughs> I go back to my, to my comfort shows for sure what are your uh what are your top couple shows that you've been oh watching oh my gosh do you know I'll i put you on the spot and then i'm Yo, gonna judge please. you please no. oh please do because, no. <laughs> i just dropped dharma and greg like i have yeah. no business judging anyone. no but i forgot about dharma and greg and then you said it i was like oh my gosh i loved that show so much but for opposite like i wanted to be dharma so bad <laughs> like she was so cool so I, I'd never watched Modern Family beginning to end. And I did that during the pandemic and I fell in love with Phil and Claire. I think that's my dream thruple because they're like, they're amazing. <laughs> like I want to be in that marriage. Amazing. What else? I'm currently watching New Girl. I've never, I've seen like random episodes here and there. I'm watching that for the first time. What else have I watched? They're the most recent ones. I love New Girl. I, I remember when it came on and I was like, oh, uh, it's gonna be like Zoe Deschanel just being like, "I'm cute, I'm Zoe," and then I was actually like, "This is solid comedy. Like, it's, it's funny, very well it's done, so funny." Yeah, I'm like, sitcoms are pleasant to watch. I enjoy watching them, but they don't always make me laugh out loud on my couch alone. But New Girl knows it. 
What about the your your Canadian shows? You got Shits Creek. Oh my gosh, of course. Of course, Shits Creek. I actually did watch that for the first time during the pandemic. So yeah, I love Shits Creek. Yeah, I I that's the one I put on. I rewatched. I've seen every episode a million yeah. times and I'll I'll watch them a million more. I don't care. Of course. It's such a good show. I rewatched, I don't know if this would classify as a sitcom. I don't think so, but I have you seen Please Like Me? It's an Australian no. show that Josh Thomas made a few years ago but it's on Netflix I assume hopefully in the US as well but it is wonderful and I rewatched that and it's just like such a lovely show yeah recommend that for sure add to your list yeah I'll definitely have to check it out I just I think it's so cool like Australia is somewhere I've always wanted to go um, I've only been to Canada once. I went to Vancouver, actually, uh-huh. uh, for a girl's trip. And we hiked on, a, it's called Grouse Mountain. Yeah. Am yeah. I saying it right? Yeah, and yeah. And I almost died. Oh, my gosh. Amanda, I have to tell you, I lived there for over three years and I never did the hike because I assumed that's what would have happened to me. So good for you. <laughs> yeah, I was walking up the hill and I literally sweat through. I had a shirt that I actually had to throw away. Um, oh it was gosh. so drenched in sweat. I had to get a shirt at the gift shop at the top of the hill. <laughs> Uh, but I'm walking up and I'm dying and all my friends went, they're all from like LA and they're super fit. So they were like way ahead. I was like, just go on without me. I'll make, I'll make it. I drank like all my water in the first like fourth of the thing. And, and I'm walking and I'm dying. And this 12 year old walks by me and was like, this is my third time on this mountain today. Oh, and I was up. like, I never said fuck you to a 12 year old, but I really, it took a lot. I just didn't have the oh breath to do it. You know, oh my <laughs> I just couldn't. <laughs> Couldn't say the words, but I I hated that moment. But I also was like, I have to make it up this hill, if nothing else. Right, right, for sure. I mean, I've been up it, but I took the, is it called a gondola? Anyway, I took it. Yeah. I didn't hike it. So yeah. I, I didn't know they had it until I got to the top. I get to the top and they're like, oh, you just take this down. And I was like, I would have taken it the other way too. Yes, exactly. When I went, it was Boxing Day and it was covered in snow. So it was like a very different experience to what you had. What is Boxing Day? Oh, what? We don't do that here. I mean, it's just the day after Christmas. We have it in Australia and they have it in Canada. My mind is blown. I didn't know it wasn't a thing. I don't know why it's called that. I've heard like of Boxing Day. Like I've heard the term, but I didn't know what day it was. So so it's December 26th. Yeah. And you just... It's just like another holiday, I guess. Like in my family, I wouldn't say this is how everyone spends it, but that was generally when like the extended family would get together with all our leftover food from the day before and like eat all of the leftovers at the beach. I mean, that's Australia Christmas. (laughs) But I also know, not that I've ever done this, but people are really big on Boxing Day sales. They go shopping and everything's on sale because of course everyone's already bought everything at Christmas and, you know. Now they're going to put on sale. We just call it the day after Christmas sale. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, that makes sense because I don't know why it's called Boxing Day. (laughs) (laughs) The way you said it, you're like, oh yeah, and Boxing Day. And I was like, what? (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. What is this? I what love is this that it doesn't exist other places. I'm I'm going to celebrate it now. <laughs> you should. Yes. Think of me. <laughs> Go to the beach. I will. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be an outdoor person, right? Like you lived, you grew up on the beach, basically. Vancouver's like everything there is like some sort of outdoor event. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Montreal, but you're, a, you're an outdoor person. You camp and hike. Uh, and- I mean... I'm an outdoor person in that I like being outside, but in the sense that like if the sun's out, I want it all of it on me and I want to like be on a balcony or a patio or in a park or at the beach, just 
just relaxing. <laughs> like I'll go on like a, I'll go on a hike, but not like a grouse mountain hike. I won't do that. I'll, I'll go on like a walk. I'll walk for three hours on a beach where it's flat. Like, um, but I'm not much of a camper or anything. Like people I find tend to ask me if I like camping. I don't know if it's like a Canadian thing, but when I meet people, that's like one of the first things they ask me is like, do you like camping? I'm like, I mean, I guess I've done it before and I'd happily go. If, like, are you inviting me? Cause I'll go. But like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to arrange the camping. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a tent. I don't like, I'm not planning that, but I might come. (laughs) I feel like as a lesbian, I'm a big fail when it comes, because I hate camping. And I'm like, there's bugs, there's bears, there's all sorts of terrible, horrible things out there. There's no plumbing. Why? No. The last time I went camping, I slept in the car that we drove up in. Yes. That's where I'm at That sounds that. great. <laughs> I'm going to totally, absolutely shift this conversation. Uh, yeah. There's a, it's a question I like to ask everybody. And like I said, I, I ask questions in rapid succession uh-huh. uh, because I think this one, and this is the coming out journey or question, but we ask it in different layers because there are different layers. So you identify as, as bisexual uh-huh. and demisexual. Yeah. And what does that, what does that mean to you? So demisexual, I'll start with that, is something that I discovered far later in life. So for me, the way I came about that discovery, I suppose, is that I had friends, multiple friends, close friends over the course of years ask me like, Lauren, and in a caring and kind way, like wanting to have an open conversation with me, do you think you're asexual? And I was like, well, no, because when I'm dating someone, I really like having sex with them. And then that got asked often enough, like I would say like three or four times, which is enough (laughs) to make me go, okay, well, like I think they're onto something. And I Googled, can you be bisexual and asexual just to see what Google or Reddit or somewhere had to say. And then I came across something that was like, I think you might be demisexual. This is what it means. And if someone's listening who who doesn't know what it means, it's basically you don't have a sexual attraction to someone until you have an emotional connection with them. It doesn't mean like if you have an emotional connection with someone, you're automatically sexually attracted to them, but it is like a prerequisite, I guess. So that like, I've never had anything click for me more ever. Like my bisexuality is something that I like fought with in my brain over many years. As a young girl, I was having dreams about having girlfriends and I was like, oh no, this is terrible. But demisexuality, I was like, amazing. That's exactly what I am. It's not my Catholic guilt that I'm like not having sex with everyone. I'm like, I'm not going to grow out of it. It's just who I am. (laughs) Thank you for that. Yeah. The more like the layered question, I guess, is, is when did you come out to yourself? Mm -hmm. When did you start coming out to friends and family? And when did you start coming out to people of the world on stage in your performance? Yeah, I think to myself, yeah, like I said, from a young age, I was having dreams about having girlfriends. And, you know, I think a lot of people that watch the OC, Olivia Wilde's character was a big eye opener for me. (laughs) I was like, oh, I want a girlfriend. So I I think, you know, there were always signs, but I, I still didn't have that conversation with myself for a long time. And when I was 20 and a little little plug here my podcast is based off this it's called my dad stole my limelight when I was 20 my dad came out to me 
as bisexual and I just moved to a bigger city. I just started, as I mentioned, I'm not from a big town. Um, so I just started meeting lots of cool queer people, like being in a bigger place and being like, all right. And, you know, getting the feelers out. Um, and kind of around that time is when my dad came out. So I kind of just, I don't know, I was young. I just, I wasn't emotionally mature in many ways. I kind of just put it on the back burner. And then like every now and then I just work the term bisexual into conversations where I could do it casually. And it was actually when I moved to Canada that I realized I stopped by LA on the way actually and caught up with a friend, a mutual friend of a friend who took me out to some like queer bars and stuff. And people were just asking me like, who are you into? Who are you looking for? And it was the first time in my life I realized, oh, these people don't know me. I don't have to come out to someone who already knows me. And I know what I'm interested in. So I like from there, I'm from LA for the few days. And then when I arrived in Canada, I was like, oh, people are meeting me for the first time. They didn't know anything about me. So I was like, yeah, I'm bisexual. Yeah, I'm bisexual. I'm, I'm into lots of people. So that was kind of when I started saying it out loud. But it did take a few years when I started doing stand up. Actually, I talked about it in my set and my family got a video of one of my earlier stand-up sets and that's how they found out. But I don't think it came to them as much of a shock. <laughs> they were very supportive and very lovely and no one was surprised. <laughs> no one was like, what? Your dad stole your limelight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it was uh, it was a punchline to one of my jokes. And then, yeah, fast forward became became the podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think no one no one was like, well, we didn't see that coming at all. Our minds are blown. <laughs> when I came out, I really I really feel like most people weren't surprised and I was almost uh -huh. disappointed. Uh-huh. TV builds it up as like, that's my character arc. Like yes. my arc is like building up to this moment where I come out and people either hate me or embrace me or I have to make a public speech of some sort and nothing happened. Right, right. Like, and that's, that's a big thing too. Like, I think especially as I've like gotten older and wiser and less selfish um, in a lot of ways, <laughs> but for so long, I was like mad. I was mad at my dad. I didn't, I got robbed of this experience. Like, because, like it's in actual fact, I'm very glad for my dad because he like opened a door for me, you know, <laughs> like in so many ways. But yeah, you're so right. I felt the exact same way. I was like, really? Like nothing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, and then part of it is like, that's good. That, that's good yeah, that we oh, have people course. in our lives that are like, great, you, this is just who you are. And we'll mm -hmm. make adjustments to referring to your partners and mm -hmm. and you and that's it and mm -hmm. um but yeah that's definitely like was built up in in my mind mm -hmm. so when your dad came out what was what was that experience for you my dad and I are really close so and like I said I was 20 at the time so I was very young and you know at the time I didn't realize how young and immature I was but now I'm very aware of how young and like I was a child and he and I were very close and hung out all the time he was just at my house one day we were sitting on the balcony and you know I'd met a friend of his many times but never put two and two together mind you there were lots of hints I definitely should have picked it up yeah, yeah there's always that <laughs> hindsight thing that you're yeah. just like you play the reel back in your head and you're like, oh, yes, 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 yes. There, there, there. Yep. Of course. And hints, not hints that he, hints that he was very obviously and deliberately putting out there because he was trying to, you know, he was figuring out how he was going to tell me or whatever it was, but it wasn't 
these were obvious things he was doing on purpose mm. and I still wasn't catching on. But once he told me, like, I remember crying a lot, but crying because I was really happy and like we hugged and then, you know, that was it. Like it just became, I mean, apart from the part where I got really mad and, and jealous mm. and annoyed. <laughs> For a, for a hot minute. Um, but you, you were 20. And that's what you yeah, do exactly, at 20. Exactly. Everything is the end of the world. That's Everything is me. so upsetting. Yeah. It's like, well, what, what? To your point, like, this is my story. Excuse me. I'm the main character. What's happening? <laughs> so that's good that you're, yeah, I'm, I'm super close with my dad too. And, and mm-hmm. um, you know, when I came out to him, all he said was, um, he said, that explains the softball was what he said, um, <laughs> which I used to use as, as a joke um, in my stand-up. I, I've tried to move away from – I have one softball joke still that I hold on to for dear, dear life because I love uh-huh. it so much, but I've had to let go of a lot of the, the softball stereotype jokes because it's like, right. well, yeah, we get it. You're gay. You, you play softball. <laughs> I mean, but that's that's the joke in itself. It's like, yeah, I am a stereotype, but I have lots to say about it. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like I actually know a lot about softball. <laughs> yeah, I actually know a lot about it. <laughs> I a lot actually, of opinions. <laughs> I um I found this photo recently. Like again, the the year that we've had, um, I've had a lot of time to go through things, and I was going through a box of photos and found this photo of like four year old me with my do you have, like T ball? Is T ball a thing? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. Yes. So me and my T ball coach. It's me four year old T ball coach, and I'm like looking at her, and I'm like okay, if I met her in present day, I'd have a crush on her. And I'm like, okay, this is, yeah, these were were the roots were planted. Yeah. Sometimes when you look back to, yeah, you think about like a teacher, you particularly, like I had a a professor in college and I never used to go to office hours. And this particular professor, I used to go to every single office hour and I would just ask her (laughs) personal, I'd be like, what's your favorite movie? Why is that your favorite movie? What's your favorite oh book? My gosh. What's your favorite? And I was like, she, she must have known. Like, I, I almost want to find her now, like 15 years yes. later. And be like, so did you, did you know what that was? <laughs> Could you have told me? Cause I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, I, that's one of those, like, now I look back and I'm like, here's all these hints. Yeah. That I'm dropping forever. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hindsight's uh, fascinating. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. Fascinating thing. <laughs> For sure. Every now and then. And like we're doing, I'm sure you have the exact same experience interviewing people um, with your podcast, but on the podcast, someone will say something in regards to their story and I'll be like, what? That happened to me. And I completely forgotten that I did that. Like similar things. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had a crush on someone just like that. Or I did that exact same thing. And I just like, yeah, all these things you're like, wow, yeah, no, I've definitely been, been like this since day one. <laughs> like it's just yeah. all these things I forgot about. Yeah. It's just like check, check, check. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You did mention Catholicism. Were you mm-hmm. raised Catholic? Yes. Um, so my mom is Catholic and she was raised like super strict Catholic and my dad is not. So my parents split up when I was like 10. So we live with my mom like full time. So she would take us to church on Sundays. I went to Catholic school pretty much my whole life. I was an altar girl, which I found out some people don't believe me when I say that because they're like, girls don't do that. And I was like, oh, they did where I live. Maybe there just wasn't enough people. I don't know. But like, I was definitely an altar girl. So it was very much like raised that way. But like my later years of high school, the high school I went to, it wasn't as, for want of a better phrase, like full on, like they didn't, we didn't go to, it was a Catholic school, but 
all that really meant was that like in the weekly assembly, there was a prayer at the start that we didn't go to church. There wasn't like, but like for a lot of years, it was like church a lot, church for every occasion, prayers every time we could do it for any ceremony or anything. And like Bible study was like one of the subjects, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's really interesting. I like then steered away from that for many years, even while I was at high school, if I'm honest, I was like, I hate this. (laughs) Like I'm not about it at all. And then steered away from it for many years. But the last few years, I've kind of found like a if like spiritualness is the word, but I definitely not, definitely not like Catholic, but just found like, I I guess something that works for me. Like for me, I'm like, yeah, there's something there. I think it's a woman, but like, that's kind of where I'm at. Like there's a, there's a lady in the sky that watches over us for sure. Um, (laughs) That sounds pretty good. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad, but yeah, definitely a, it was, it's interesting to think about because I feel it feels so far away. It feels like another life to think that I went to church like all the time and everything. I'm like, what? I was like 16 years of my life. It's so bizarre. Yeah. It was the formative years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did they talk a lot about going to hell and, and what things you could go to hell for? Was homosexuality talked about? Was uh, premarital sex, like any any of the, the taboo stuff, abortions? <sighs> They didn't talk about any of that. And like, I don't, it's great that I didn't have to hear the negative side of it, but I didn't hear anything helpful either. Like our sex education was so minimal. I got, I probably like a lot of kids, I learned more from the kids in my class than I did from the teachers, but like everything was so minimal. And the sex education was just very based around heterosexuality and like, this is how you make a baby. <laughs> like that was that like, there was no there was absolutely no education of like safe sex or or contraception or anything like that. It was all just like this is how babies are made and it's like it's just yeah and it was very very like as little as they could tell us as possible basically it was just like okay this is not helpful just don't do it (laughs) yeah yeah exactly don't do it unless you're married and in love like okay (laughs) but yeah that was it and like nothing I mean yeah again thankfully nothing that was like certainly not in any classes I was in that was you know against you know same-sex couples or or anything like that but they didn't talk about it either like and I definitely think that could have been helpful to a lot of people and it should it should be and it would be yeah no I um I'm 38 and I you know I I try to think back I'm gonna ask you this question and the reason I put my age on it is because I I feel like so I was pre-internet the internet didn't Mm -hmm. happen until I was about 12 or 13 and even Mm -hmm. then it wasn't obviously as sophisticated right as that's when like miss mr jeeves was where it's at you know like right it was yeah a, <laughs> it was a different time but um do you remember the first time you realized like people could be gay either in real life or television Ooh. or some sort of media the, the oc reference that i made is definitely i don't think that's the first time i realized but that was the first time i realized i was like oh this is something people can yeah like be like i knew that people were gay but i that's my first memory of being like oh, like I could have a girlfriend if I wanted. That is something like, I think before then, because I think I was like 13 at that time, maybe 14, which is, you know, a kid and, and, a, and a sheltered kid that went to Catholic school too. But I remember thinking like any thoughts or things I'd had before that around homosexuality were, I didn't think about them beyond sex 
or like probably to be honest I probably didn't think about them beyond like kissing because like I my sex education wasn't very good <laughs> but um like sex and, and like bunny is but yeah like that is definitely an early memory oh you know what actually if I can backtrack this yeah. is something I realized the other day I was talking someone brought up Whoopi Goldberg and I had the realization recently I was like I think Whoopi Goldberg made me bisexual and like obviously she didn't but I'm happy to say that she did because I remember it came to me I was like yeah I love the movie Ghost and then I was like I remember my parents waking up on Saturday mornings and the house we were living at the time I would have been like maybe six years old maybe seven and you know they had their Saturday morning sleep in they woke up at like 8 a.m or whatever it was and I'd already been up and they're like what are you doing and I remember this happening a couple times I was like oh I watched the movie Ghost (laughs) as a (laughs) six-year-old yeah like what six-year-old is doing that maybe seven-year-old is doing that that's ridiculous but and I remember I could it's such a weird that I just remember my mom being like you watched the movie Ghost and her being like isn't that a bit scary for you but me being like no and now I'm like I was fixated on the scene where Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Swayze like he takes over her body and so it's flashing between Whoopi and Patrick and Demi Moore and I'm like oh and then I've rewatched it and I'm like oh it is not as that as I remember in my head it was very much like not a threesome because obviously it's like two people but like that's how it was in my head and I'm like oh I think I think that's that's not maybe when I obviously realized people could be gay, but that's when I realized maybe that I wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I've actually never asked that question. So I, I appreciate the honest response. Yeah, I was, thanks for asking. Because I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to trace back in my mind, like when I, because I didn't have, there was at least this out to me, I didn't know any gay people in my, my actual life. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember like my so-called life, um, Ricky on my so-called life, um, mm-hmm. who was queer, but I didn't. Re- and then I try to think about like actual like women who were out right. in media, and it's hard to to really like figure out and find like where where the first time I knew like this is a possibility. Because whenever it was, I definitely did what you did, and I put it away, and I was like, no, 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 we're not, we're not gonna go through this whole coming Mm -hmm. out and dealing with this so I just won't deal with it right but I'm still trying to look at for those roots you know yeah is if I can ask what's the earliest one that you can remember at the moment do you know honestly so I love a league of their own and Mm -hmm. I know Rosie O'Donnell's character is not gay but I kind of thought her like her character was in love with Madonna's character right right and that's that's the dots that you made like you put those dots together for a reason yeah, you know because they were like best friends and they were super close mm-hmm. and they knew each other really well and it seemed like they you know at the end of the movie like i feel like they probably still lived in the same town like i pictured them living next door to each other and just being right. around each other all the time but i i definitely was like i'd like that kind of relationship with somebody yeah. like you know, we're on the same baseball team and we get yes. to hang out all the time and <laughs> sleep in the same room and we travel. And so I think there was some like queerness, obviously, to to mm-hmm. that. I don't know about like remembering seeing like the first time I really remember like a movie affecting me and I have rewatched it and I know there's problems with it, but it was a uh, kissing Jessica Stein. Oh, I don't know if I know that. No. Yeah. It's about a straight girl who puts um, a want ad. Oh, no, wait, actually. So reverse that. It's about... Um, a queer woman who puts a want ad out there when back when you put it in the newspaper, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. um, this other woman who's straight identified respond like reads it, falls in love with this, like whatever is said in there, um, but then realizes it's a woman and then still calls her anyway. 
Um, and then so it's oh. like the straight woman that like it does have a, a queer relationship. But then spoiler alert, she goes back to a man at the end of it. Um, oh. And so that's what people... Boo. That's what people have the. That's what people have the real problem with. But then it's also like yeah. if she's, I guess it's like if she's bisexual or or just queer, mm-hmm. like she can be with whoever she wants, like absolutely. But I of think course. for the queer narrative in film, people mm-hmm. really wanted that not to be the the end. <laughs> of course, yeah. What happened to the girl who put the ad in the newspaper? She found another girlfriend. Oh, thank so. God. Okay. <laughs> perfect <laughs> yeah and then they were they were and they were still best friends afterwards like oh um, after, okay like they break up and <laughs> like six it. months goes by and um she has a new girlfriend and then she and the new girlfriend meet the meet jessica stein for lunch see i'm like that tracks yeah this feels this feels correct <laughs> <laughs> you immediately become best friends and yeah you're gonna go to brunch or lunch with your new Obviously. partner and your old partner <laughs> and it's totally not awkward and see that part tracked <laughs> yeah <laughs> That part worked out. But that's the first movie I remember watching mm-hmm. and being like, this is what, like you said, like, this is what I want. Like, this mm-hmm. is, I want to be in this relationship. I want to have the feelings that they have for each other. Like, that was the real connecting moment. There's probably others, but that was just the one that's uh-huh. Because I remember I watched it. I watched it with my college roommates. Um, and it definitely hit me in a way that it <laughs> did not hit them. Um, right. Yeah. 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 Like they're like, oh, it's cute. And I'm like, I love this movie. Like, how do I yes. own it and watch it in secret forever? <laughs> I think that's how I felt. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of other examples, but I think that's how I felt watching the OC. I'm like, I don't think my friends love it as much as I do. And it, it wasn't even like the whole show. Like the show was great. But then once, once Olivia Wilde's character came in, I was like, all right, let's go. Yeah. Let's fucking go. I'm, I'm here for yeah, it. I'm a, I'm a changed woman. Yeah. And we, um, another movie we watched, it's okay. I, I used to tell like a bunch of jokes about this, like, cause I said I had like a Catholic upbringing, but also like, we would watch the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show from a young age. So like there was, there was a definite, like my mom's Catholic upbringing competing with her being a cool mom, which she is. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, we watch Rocky Horror Picture Show, but I feel like what she would do with a lot of movies is like only let us watch certain parts. But I'm like, I don't remember her ever doing that with Rocky Horror. I think just so much of it went over my head that it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, I was like, I didn't realize these things were happening, but like, (laughs) wow, this is great. (laughs) I remember like being like 15 and watching it and being like, wait, what is this movie about? (laughs) Yeah. See, I didn't watch that till I was much older and it wasn't my, my parents let me watch whatever because they're both Mm -hmm. movie movie people and they just wanted someone to go to the movies with them so <laughs> right right <laughs> but yeah I wish I that's one of the movies I wish I would have seen when I was younger mm-hmm. like in my teens versus like in my you know late 20s uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I feel do like they, I would have had a different response <laughs> for sure do they do like a big thing like do theaters put that on at Halloween there and people dress up and go and everything and throw the, the rice and, yeah yeah um, they have a theater they have a theater here. It's called the Britannia. Oh, I bet. I bet they do it really well there. <laughs> yeah. And they, they did it, I think, like once a month. Like, we don't oh. just do it for Halloween. It's New oh. Orleans. Like, we're like, you know, is perfect. there an excuse to party? A movie? Great. We'll take it. And also, I've had this conversation recently with a friend that Rocky Horror is not a Halloween film. It's an <laughs> all the time film. This this happened on New Year's. They actually said, yeah, I'm watching Rocky Horror because it's an anytime film. But it's absolute. like, there's a, there's a party. But yeah, it's not a Halloween film. It's an anytime film for sure. 
sure. So yes, New Orleans, you're doing it right. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me ask you uh, before we go, uh, Mm -hmm. what's next for you? What, what's, what's on the, uh, I won't say agenda. That's a loaded word. Um, (laughs) you know, what's on the horizon? Uh, it sounds like things are in the next, in the next few months, things are reopening. So what does that look like for your stand up? I know you're doing your podcast, which is the one Uh thing COVID didn't fucking take from us. Absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully some, some stage time question mark would love that to happen yeah the podcast season two is coming out on june 29th so depending when you're listening to this it might already be out um and i got kind of back into writing during the pandemic so yeah hopefully that equals more stage time because i have been writing jokes and i don't really know like i've been going to these writing classes and dabbling in it. So I'm kind of in a place where I'm like, I don't know if it'll go anywhere, but maybe if you're listening to this because you discovered this really cool podcast late and you know, this, I'm saying this a year ago, maybe I'm doing something cool now that maybe I'm writing something <laughs> cool. I don't know. <laughs> but, turn on, turn on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Such my name. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I kind of, I spent so much time on my own, as many people have in the last 15 months that I like really went back to like, wow, when I was a kid, I used to write, I used to write stupid, ridiculous plays and make my friends and family, all the kids put them on for the adults. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. But like, that was something I really enjoyed. So I'm, I've been, I've been taking some masterclasses and doing some writing. So we'll see where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great though. Like you didn't, cause the, you know, with COVID, I think we all, and I, I'm not speaking for you. I'll speak for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went through phases where I felt not creative at all. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I can't be creative. And then I went through phases where like I did a lot of writing and, you know, tried to think about like, well, when this ends, like, what do I want? things to look like do I want to try to write a sitcom um do I want to try to you know write a play a movie a musical or do stand up or you know do something else whatever it is so like you had the time to like everyone went through their own process you know uh-huh uh-huh yeah I agree it's definitely been in waves um I haven't been like super creative the whole time there's been a nice healthy balance of days on the couch where I haven't gotten out of my pajamas don't worry (laughs) (laughs) well we need that too I mean of course (laughs) it's necessary (laughs) I hope you continue that post-covid because it is important for for mental health to just have days where you zone out you know a hundred percent yeah just absorb instead of put out there Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's my sitcom days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, um, I just love sitcom so much. I like, and I think part of it is the false sense of like everything works out in the end. Yeah. Oh, of course. Because like I said, I'm watching new girl at the moment now. I'm like, Oh, I want three roommates. Absolutely mm. not. They're romanticizing roommates, but I'm like, I want three roommates. I love living with people. And I know I don't. And that sitcoms bathroom is terrible. It's that terrible. They don't have is- a tub. They have like a locker room. What's going yeah, on? It's god awful. And I mean, you know, awful. three three male room like I'm like, no, that place is it's mm-hmm. disgusting and there's a lot of yeah. pubic hair. And I, I want no part of that. Flops in that shower. That's <laughs> <laughs> your own house. It's like, why would I do this to myself? Exactly. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so everyone watch New Girl. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> no, they have a beautiful loft though, but I'm like, oh, you're That's like gorgeous. a teacher and a bartender and this is what you aff- can afford in LA. Yeah, like, cool. must be nice. Cool, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like every sitcom, their houses are yeah. massive. <laughs> That's the fantasy, you know? Yeah. Yep. And it's like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is the only sitcom where it's like, yes, 
Uncle Phil, you will have this nice house. Yes, because we're we're, we're aware of your wealth in that show. Yeah. So it's like, good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the only one that's on point. All the other ones, yeah. I just don't believe it. I don't believe exactly. it. <laughs> well, this has been this has been super fun. Um, this, super is our, fun. this is our second international podcast. Um, so I'm learning. I learned about Boxing Day. I learned about Boxing Day, uh, which is exciting. I'm going to celebrate it. Yeah, uh, starting in 2021, Boxing Day is coming to New Orleans. Heck yeah! I'm going to start celebrating Rocky Horror Picture Show on a monthly basis. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Can you you want to tell folks where they can find you? Yeah, of course. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hi Lauren Debra. And you can listen to my podcast. It's called My Dad Stole My Limelight. And it's also on Twitter and Instagram at MDSML Pod. That's it. That's where I am. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Um, and if you're ever in New Orleans, let me know. Well, let's oh my do gosh, some stand up. Yes, I would love together. that. I, it was it was a top of my bucket list for as long as I can remember. And when I finally went there in 2019, I was like, I never want to leave. So I will be back and we will we will go to a show together or something. It'll be amazing. Yes. And we will get drunk. Yay! <laughs> I, I just said that because my, my mom listens to every episode and that will... <laughs> That will at least make her write me a text letting me know she oh. made it through the episode. <laughs> Hi, Mom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Love you. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Um, Thank you, and this, this was great. And I hope you have a great you know, rest of your, your day, night. And if I ever make it back to Canada, I'm not going anywhere near Grouse Mountain. So I'll, no. I'll come visit We will come go visit find you a nice sunny fact. patio and we'll get a picture of beer. That sounds like yes. a good day. And we'll just walk on a sidewalk or a yes. flat surface of some sort. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, you have found your way to My Dad Stole My Limelight, a podcast about coming out. I'm Lauren Deborah, and I am your demisexual and bisexual host. I never had a formal coming out, as around the time I was truly discovering my sexuality, my dad came out first, stealing my limelight. So for a really long time, I felt I was robbed of this amazing experience and robbed of everything I thought that would happen or change after I came out. I've grown to learn that that's okay. You don't have to come out, and if you do, there is no right way to do it. What matters most is that you live your truth as a most authentic version of yourself, and for no one but you. Because everyone's coming out experiences are different, each episode I will interview someone who has come out and someone they have come out to. So think parent, BFF, co-worker, partner, maybe even a childhood crush, anyone from any time in their life. Together we'll learn all about different experiences of coming out and hear some fun anecdotes about my guests having their limelight stolen too. In season one, I have the pleasure of meeting comedians, old friends, drag performers, family members, neighbors, musicians, and more. Thanks for joining me. Thank you to Lauren Deborah for sharing her world with us. Find us on social media at Near and Queer to My Heart on Instagram and Facebook and at Queer to My Heart on Twitter. You can also email us near and queer to my heart at gmail.com. We have a supporter page. Check our liner notes if you just want to throw down a quick donation five bucks, a dollar, ten bucks, a million. We'll take whatever. We're happy to use it to keep this going, uh, to help with our, our costs, to help with our promo. We have a lot of cool things coming up. Uh, we're filming some videos. We're doing a lot of cool stuff. So keep checking us out on social media. Keep tuning in. And thank you so much. Thank you.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.